Hi everyone and welcome to Exploring the Midwest. My name is Jody, and I will be your guide as we chat with incredible people across the 13 Midwestern states and discover all the amazing things there are to see and do. I hope you enjoy our summer topics and I invite you to reach out to me at any time with topic ideas or destinations, attractions, or even people that you think I should know about. You can click through the show notes and leave a comment or connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Jody Halstead. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me again here on the Exploring the Midwest podcast. Now, we are kicking off our introduction into quirky museums today. And when I was thinking about quirky museums, this is the first museum that crossed my mind, mostly because the topic is a little bit maybe misunderstood. Maybe it's something that you're like, oh, I love it, or not really a fan. Um, But today I am joined by Savile Lord, who is the manager of the Spam Museum Community Relations and Archives in Austin, Minnesota. So Savile, I am really excited to talk all spammy things with you. Hello, Jody. It's so nice to be here. I hope you're having a spamtastic day. Spamtastic. I love that. And you know, that's just one of the things. I mean, you walk into that museum and you're greeted with, you know, with a greeting like that. And it's just such a fun, quirky, I mean, we're we're talking quirky museums, a quirky place to visit. And it it's almost a little surprising because spam is owned by the Hormel company. And Hormel probably could have built a museum dedicated to all things food, but they focused on spam. So why spam? Why a museum? Well, you know, we are based here in Austin, Minnesota, and we are celebrating our 30th year this year as a museum. It actually started as a fluke back during our 100th anniversary of the Hormel Foods Corporation, when the spam, the spam, the company actually opened the first century Hormel Foods Corporate Museum. But the entrance to that museum was a giant spam can, as that was one of the products that Hormel had been selling. So people got super excited. They walked in through this spam can, thinking they were going to see all things spam but they ended up only having a very small quarter that was actually dedicated to spam. And the rest of the museum really talked about all things that was Hormel. Well, we learned our lesson very, very quickly. And a couple of years after that, ended up opening a museum that was in, um, that was right off the highway of Austin. And you would go to that museum. I think that was one of the museums you went to and that was all things spam. And so we learned that people were very, very interested in the Spam brand in particular because of that quirkiness, because of that relationship that they had with that food product that most people don't have. People don't have relationships with food like they do with Spam. So five years ago, we ended up moving our museum down to downtown Austin. Down, Austin is about an hour and a half south of Minneapolis-St. Paul, or about about the same distance from um, Wisconsin. So we're really in kind of the middle bottom portion of the state. 
they opened up our museum here in downtown Austin to do a couple of things. First, we wanted to create that experience. We don't want people to just visit this man museum. We want them to enjoy it. So not only enjoy the museum, but one of the 17 restaurants in our community that serves spam our shops, um, the restaurants. So to really make that an experience versus a visit. And so here we've now been for five years celebrating all things spam while telling a bit more of the story of Hormel Foods at the same time. So we kind of swapped it. But to answer that question, that love of spam is what, that was what really has driven them to, they could have picked Dinty Moore, they could have picked Chili, they could have picked, you know, one of the 40 product companies that we own, businesses that we own, but Spam really just has that relationship with people. Why do you think that is? Because as, as I said at the beginning, Spam's one of those things you're like, yeah, I'm into Spam, or you're like, not even a little bit. So what is that relationship that you think that people have with Spam, or have you heard feedback from people about, you know, their, their feelings of spam and, and what it is that, that makes this such an enjoyable food experience. One of our first visitors this morning was um, from Nashville, Tennessee. He and his wife came in to visit and they talked about their visit to Hawaii and how the Hawaiians just love spam. Mm -hmm. We sell Spam in over 44 countries internationally. It's not just a product that's sold here in the United States. And a lot of that Spam has become popular after a war. So Spam really took off in Hawaii after World War II. Spam really took off in Korea after the Korean War. Uh, so Japan, again, after World War II. Each of these countries have had a relationship with spam um, that has raised its level of importance to them, not only because it is shelf stable and it has that three year shelf life that will keep it um, viable on, on your shelf and able to be used, whatever, but also because they have a story behind it. And it's that story. They talk about how they would eat it every um, every Sunday night for dinner. Or another family came in and talked about how every Christmas they would have a can of Spam in their stocking. It created that relationship with a food product that not, I, you know, no other food I've really seen or heard that same relationship being told on such a daily basis. That's interesting. You know, we have my brother-in-law for Christmas every year we have like this family gathering. And my brother-in-law makes pizza burgers and the key ingredient in those is Spam. I think it's probably the only time he opens a can of Spam during the year. But, but you're right. It does kind of take that center stage with a story or a tradition. Yeah. And it's amazing. And people don't think about it until they get here. And then they're like, oh, my God, let me tell you my Spam story. I mean, when I started working for the museum, my father, who's 86 years old, he told me about how his mother would buy spam because she was unwilling to buy food off the black market during World War II. And um, so she bought spam instead. And it just, it's continued to evolve. And it's continued to evolve to modern day where people still have those stories. And then we have this continually growing consumer group of um, people who are trying spam for the first time. It is being offered up at restaurants in New York City. It's on the menu on on multiple food channels um, where they're trying different recipes with spam. 
We've now got over, you know, a hundred different ways you can make spam. So it's really just diversified the interest in spam and brought it to a whole new level. So let's talk a little bit about the spam museum because, and I haven't been to the new one. I've been meaning to stop and things always get in the way, but I remember the previous museum and the thing I loved about that and my kids absolutely loved about that was that there were so many hands-on interactive activities. I remember a production line game and a game show and just all these other things. So what can people experience when they visit the Spam Museum? It is 14,000 square feet of square meat. It is <laughs> little bit interactive and a lot of fun. So we encourage people to take photos at, a, at about a half a dozen different photo ops that we have throughout the museum. And then we um, encourage people to either uh, to interact with the exhibits in some way. That spam game that you talk about is still there inside of our spam ballet where we have a, a giant sign that says, I love spam, where you can have your photo taken. Then another giant sign that counts how many spam cans tall you are. So you can say, I'm 17 spam cans tall. And you can put that on your resume um, as, as a fact. Uh, and uh, just have some fun with the different, the different photo ops that we have. But then there's also that interactive. So we have a world market, which talks about, um, there's, there's a couple different exhibits in the museum. So I'll go over a couple of them. We have our history exhibit, which does go into the history of Hormel Foods. It talks about how um, George Hormel came from Toledo, Ohio, to Austin, Minnesota to start this company. Um, and he really worked on um, being a wonderfully clean producer of meat. Uh, and he ended up having a son and his son was named Jay. Jay was not as much on the meat production side, but very much that innovator, that creative being, and is the one who came up with Hormel ham. It was a cooked ham in its own can. It is what started the process of spam. Uh, that was back in 1927. It was a very innovative portion of the entire um, uh, the can production line, uh, meat line. If that hadn't been done, spam never would have been become a thing because they needed to learn that process of how to cook meat in its own can. And it was very innovative at the time because his idea was to cut the cooking time for women in the kitchen. If you were cooking a ham from raw, it would take five to six hours. But if you were to just take a ham that was already fully cooked and just reheat it, it would take a quarter of the time. And that would leave the women to have more time to do other things. Spam came out of that because they had that process. And um, so you, there are different um, exhibits within the museum that talk about that. We then go into our military exhibit and we are able to see kind of the worldwide effect that Spam had once wars broke out and Spam was able to help um, really hold the line in a lot of countries while they either waited for reinforcements or needed to move forward and feed their troops in mountain ranges where they weren't able to get um, reinforcements quickly, but they had that spam. Uh, and then our world market, which talks about, again, I mentioned 44 countries. We talked about six of them specifically and really go into depth with either an interactive portion uh, where you can play some sort of game or a video that 
plays three to four minutes long, super quick, but will give you an in-depth knowledge about why SAM is important, show you some commercials from that region, and really be able to dive deeper into why SPAM is important. Then we go into our SPAM today. And we talk about Monty Python. We talk about um, a gentleman who actually got married here in the museum. He changed his middle name to I Love Swim. That was about eight, nine years ago now. Uh, he is British and came to the museum to get married about three years ago. Uh, but, you know, in England, it's not a it's not something you just go to an office and have them sign a little sheet saying you can change your middle name. The Queen of England actually has to sign on that. So if you can imagine that, um, going through all that work, because he had that relationship with Spam. His grandfather and his uncle had both worked in a plant in Liverpool that made Spam. And so he had this, he ate it all the time. So we talk about that type of story. And then we do go um, into the broader Hormel food story and how it's all connected. One of our great pieces in the museum, and it should be opening again very shortly, is our play area. We have a giant jungle gym and then as well as a kitchen where they can make a variety of different play products. There are two really cool things about that. One is Minnesota has very long winters. Um, today, the high is in like the low, the high 50s, and it's in the middle of May. But so with those long winters, you need to have some place to get your kids to so that they can run around. The Spam Museum play area is perfect for that. Also, if you're on a long car trip, which I hope all of your listeners are going to be on at some time in the near future, getting those kids out and having them a place to run around is huge. Get that energy out, get that burst. And then they can pile back in the car for the next, you know, two, three hour portion of the trip. So that's how we've kind of, we've taken this man museum that we had. We've changed it a little bit because we've updated it and we've added some new components to it while keeping that same feeling of the importance of the family, the importance of, of the story of what Spam has to tell. And you know, one of my favorite things I think about the museum, well, number one, it's free, which is always yes. exceptional when you're on a trip. But number two, you have probably one of the best gift shops I have ever been in because there's so much fun. I mean, it's just these fun imaginings, maybe. I don't know if, that, if we can use that one. I love that you tried that. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the gift shop is to me is one of those places that you go in and say, I need that. <laughs> you never knew you needed that. Um, whether it's a spam bow tie or a spam um, uh, skateboard, you know, we have more than a dozen spam shirts that you can choose from, spam sweatshirts, spam sunglasses, spam golf tees. I mean, it's just a fun place to go and be spamatized because you get everything that you could possibly want um, and it's reasonably priced. Mm -hmm our museum being free and it's just a great way to kind of stock up on all things spam because they make perfect gifts you're not expecting it um and it's something unusual that most people don't have when i travel and i wear my spam shirt internationally people are like spam spam i love spam and um it's just wonderful to be able to have that recognition and have that uh relationship with people spam shop is super fun and can you still buy what a dozen different varieties of spam yeah 
it's kind of funny to me, all the flavors. I mean, there's so many flavors. One thing that Hormel has done a really good job at is being creative and tiki. And that's why we have so many available recipes. I have this hickory smoked uh, variety of spam that I love to make in this pasta dish that I have. Um, It comes with some fresh vegetables. It's super crisp. It's great for summer. You can eat it warm. You can eat it cold. Um, And it's just that way of taking spam and being creative with it. And when you have those different varieties, it really makes it even easier than spam already is being fully cooked in its own can. So is there a place that people can learn more about the museum as well as I'm guessing there have to be just dozens of recipes? Yes. And you can can kind of get creative with your own spam? spam Spam.com is the best place to go to find out about the museum. There are lists of all the recipes, plus then a page that's dedicated specifically to the museum, to the museum. What we've been doing during the pandemic, which we have, we're continuing, we did it every day of the week, plus by appointment, we're live, free, virtual tours of the museum. Um, that was a great way to keep the spam ambassadors employed and engaged while the on and uh, really served as a great resource for people who were stuck at home and wanted something to do. We had a group that did their over in England that did their like um, Thanksgiving dinner as an event at the end of the day for their whole family and they hadn't seen each other in a couple of months. And so they got on and we let them talk for like 20 minutes before we started our tour. And and it was just getting everybody together because that's what spam is about. It's about getting people together. So what a perfect opportunity. So these virtual tours continue. They are Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. And it's a great way to kind of get a lesson about the museum before you physically come here. We also do it by appointment as well. Uh, And so that's been a really good way to kind of showcase the museum to the to the greater audience because some people I mean you have to be honest with yourself they're never going to make it to southern Minnesota um you know if you live in Anchorage Alaska is is Minnesota going to be one of your top resorts probably Hawaii first (laughs) so um we we just have and you know if you live in in a senior living facility in let's say Montana maybe maybe Austin virtually is a better option but if you come to town there are so there's quite a bit to do. Uh, so if we have a moment, I'd love to share. Yeah, with you. I, w- I was going to ask, you know, what else is there in the Austin, Minnesota area? It's probably a place that most people haven't heard of. They don't really know where it is. It is right there on I-90 in the southern part of Minnesota, kind of in the southeastern part of the state. Um so when people visit, yeah, how long should they stay? Should they plan to spend a day in Austin and overnight and head out again the next day? What should they do? Absolutely, if you want. It's a great road trip. People pass through 90 when they go from the Chicago area straight to the Black Hills, which is um, where Mount Rushmore is. So this is a very heavily traveled portion of Um, the road because of that continual traffic of people traveling either across the United States or or either to Chicago or to the Black Hills so uh, or further out west so we are here we have actually six exits on I-90 that get you into Austin which is more than any other town in I think the state of Minnesota 
Uh, and when you come to town, there are quite a few things to do. You can spend a half a day. You can spend overnight and find things to do for the day. We have a um, the Hormel Historic Home, which is where George Hormel was born and was he wasn't born and raised, but he did spend when he lived here in Austin. Uh, we have the Ride Your Bike Museum, which is a bike museum with about 80 to 90 bicycles, starting with an 1860s bone shaker. Uh, so really that authentic look at bicycles from a collector's perspective. Across the street, we have the um, the Sweet Reads Bookstore. That actually has a museum inside of it as well. They are in the process of changing out their exhibit, but their, their exhibit is going to be a Hot Wheels collection um, of over 100 different Hot Wheels cars. So that's just kind of a neat little, you know, trip down memory lane for a lot of people. And then we have our nature center. So it is a free nature center. It has an interpretive center within it. So kind of like a mini museum where they have owls and they have um, lizards and all sorts of live animals and a play area for children. Um, and then my, it's a 600 acre nature center. So miles and miles of walking trails and snow trails and depending on what time of year you come here, there are different things. Um, we Then we also have some of the largest biking uh, trails throughout Minnesota as well. Um, we finally just completed a, um, a very important portion of a larger track um, that gets you from the Lanesboro area into Austin, which is about 50 miles away. So you can take multiple likable bike trails throughout Austin and, and have a lot of options to choose from. So a um, couple of breweries around town, uh, a winery about 20 minutes away. So lots of different things to, um, including a um, a cavern, like a, you know what a cavern is? Like a cave? Like a cave, exactly. That's the word I was trying to think of. Um, a, a really cool cave that was actually found because a couple of pigs had fallen in back 200 <laughs> ago, whatever it was. And they went, the farmer went looking for his pigs and he found this cavern. And now it's this, you know, national monument type thing. So, you know, couple quite a few things to do down in this area that you can really take advantage of. We want people to have an experience versus just a visit. That's what makes it more fun. And so we really encourage people to shop at, again, those local shops and take that time. We don't have a restaurant. We serve spamples. They are a little bite of spam with a pretzel, but we don't actually have a restaurant like we did in our old museum because our whole goal is to support our community. And so we want people to go out and try spam in one of our restaurants and have that experience versus just having us serve it. So in your restaurants, because you said what, there are probably a dozen at least that serve spam. Yeah. Who, who has the most unique spam uh, experience meal? Does, does somebody stand out our, to you in that? Our Japanese restaurants serve spam musubi. Nobody else serves Spam Musubi. And Spam Musubi is a way to try Spam that nobody, um, nobody is as familiar with as the Hawaiians. Hawaiians live off of Musubi. Where we in the United States or the mainland of the United States have, you know, those hot dogs rolling at convenience stores. So you stop, you get gas, you run in and get a snack and there are these hot dogs. Well, in, in Hawaii, they have these Musubi, which is rice with Spam wrapped in nori. Um, looks very much like sushi, and they'll have that wrapped up in a heated, 
kind of refrigerator to keep it warm. Uh, and people will grab that instead of that hot dog. Uh, and so that's their tofu because it's high in protein and it's delicious. That's one of the things I really like having people try when they come to Austin so that they can kind of get that different way of eating spam that's kind of fun. Super fun. So we we know that you visit spam.com to get more information about the museum. If people want more information about Austin, Minnesota, uh, is there a, a website for the city that people can get more information and maybe plan their trip on? Yes. I do not know the address for it though, but um, Discover Austin MN um, will get you directly to our convention and visitors bureau. So that could be a great way for people to experience and kind of be able to plan their trip uh, to learn more about what Austin has to offer as they make that plan. Perfect. And I will have a link in the show notes. So if you just want to click through the show notes and get into the article, you will find all the links that we've talked about there, as well as um, yeah, all the information you need to plan your spam-tastic visit. Isn't that fun? It I is. Know. It is. I might start using that right. more often. Well, Savile, I want- The Museum, it's austinmn.com. I just found okay. it so cool is you should be having fun on any vacation or trip you're having and that's what makes the spam museum so cool is it can be quirky but it also can be super educational we have fun making fun of ourselves but while at the same time teaching you about why spam has been so unbelievably important over the past 84 years so great so great definitely need to get back up there Savile I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and for sharing the Spam Museum. It is really an experience that, that if you are traveling you know, through that Southern part of Minnesota, definitely take the time to stop and visit. Thank you, Jody, for talking about us and, giving, and allowing us the, the format to share all of the cool things that we have to offer. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app or take a screenshot and tag me in your Instagram stories at Jody Halstead.